weather dominator. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> And welcome to the Trials, the System Play Test Actual Play Podcast from the RPG Academy. I am Michael, and I have brought along with me tonight, as I always do, my favorite co-host and yours, the Caleb G. Caleb, how are you doing tonight, sir? I am warm and comfy in my bed. How are you? I am doing fine and dandy, sir. You are not the only guest I have brought along this evening. Matthew, say hello. Tonight, I am using a microphone. Hello, all. And we have Classic Scott back with us once again. Scott, how are you tonight, sir? I'm warm and comfy in Caleb's bed. (laughs) Shove over. You're on my half. I I said no crackers. Wait, you said no crackers or no cracker? Because there's a difference there. Uh, Uh, We're we're talking about saltines. I am warm and welcome to people of all race, color, and creed. As long as they're in your bed and warm and comfy. Right. And, and some of those people might bring matzas, which are also okay. No, I said no crackers. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, it is an unleavened bread. You shut Gentile. the fuck up. No crackers. <laughs> oh, this is going to be great. So we are back together tonight to discuss the trial one shot we had of Wushu. Now I'll be open at the top of the show here. There has been an extended period of time between us playing that game and us doing this recap due to some scheduling issues. So we are probably going to mess up more than usual the discussions on how things worked or what actually the fuck happened. But we're still going to come together and we're going to try to talk about that game in some sort of articulate way about what we thought of it, what we liked, what we didn't. As always, we're going to try to separate the game itself from the experience that we had because I personally thought that was a fabulous game i had so much fun andrew did an amazing job but we're here to talk about the system and how it runs not necessarily that particular experience if that makes any sense so as we always do we'll start on the left and move to the right caleb what are some big picture thoughts you had about that wushu game i had a blast playing that game Uh, i know we're trying to divorce the experience from the game itself but it needs to be said that that was one of the most entertaining games we've played in a very long time. Uh, I liked the fact that it was kind of a very simple version of a fate style of gaming where you simply defined your character with sentence fragments and phrases and went from there. Uh, So I liked the freedom that it gave us as we approached the game. And I liked the fact that the rules supported our zany, wacky antics, and they did not get in the way. And I like the fact that Andrew let us go absolutely apeshit bonkers. I'm not sure he had a choice in the matter. Well, that's yeah, true. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He yeah. could not have stopped us once, once we finished character generation. That was off the rails so badly. It was, as Scott would say, on as though it were Donkey Kong. That's right. That's right. All right, Matthew. So what about you? What are some big picture thoughts you had about the Wushu game? I thought it was a really fun game. Uh, it was very off the cuff from the word go, which I was not expecting, but we'll get to that later. 
it was like you said you you said that you were scared that we weren't gonna have like rules and stuff that remembered but as i remember it there were no rules it was we made up some sentences and as long as we could describe things in long enough run-on sentences we got multiple dice to roll that's basically how i remember that game and it was super fun i don't think that's far from the truth actually. <laughs> no it's not oh i forgot that part of the rule actually now it's all flooding back to me <laughs> all right scott how about you what did you think this, this was your first game back in quite a while so you have you've had some space and some time to separate yourself from the other trials this was their first game back after a couple month hiatus a sabbatical as it were uh, what do you think of wushu you know I, I will say i i would would disagree with your assertion that you made right at the beginning of the show here where you, you said that that uh because it's been a lot of time it, it may be uh, an issue i mean we we've done um some of these playtests where we talk about it a week after and I've completely forgotten everything that happened. And and everything you guys say is just news to me. Like, we did that? I don't recall. But the, for whatever reason, this Wushu game stuck really strongly in my mind. I I, uh, I re-listened to all your wonderful uh, editing since then and, and I still really parts of it. I think Andrew was maybe the best uh, one-shot DM I've ever had. Yeah, he has a great voice repertoire. He's a great uh, guy. And I think the system... I think uh, maybe coincidentally, maybe on purpose, we 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 chose this this off the rails, really obscure or obtuse sort of uh, setting and character build out that that really allowed this system to shine. I mean, I, I think there were a lot of a lot of uh, challenges and events that would not have made sense in a lot of systems, a lot of uh, more heavy combat oriented systems. It's it's fascinating that that in Wushu you have a a, a challenge. And you need to resolve it by getting so many successes, but but the the challenge can evolve because anything you say um, will happen. And and this is uh, one of those things I think Andrew encouraged us to do through the game, which we did not take as much advantage of as we could have. But but if if you say that we wiped out the Harlem Globetrotters, then that happens. And then uh, but the challenge is not resolved, and so they they would come back to life, and Andrew would then narrate the next step of that challenge, right? And that's a fascinating uh, idea and an angle for the system to me. And I, I think, um, I, th I think the the setting and campaign that we put together really worked well with it. I will kind of echo what everyone said. And as I as I stated at the beginning, I had a ton of fun. If that wasn't one of my favorite game, it was certainly one of I should say. If it wasn't my favorite game, it was one of my favorite games we've played in maybe ever. I mean, it was. So much fun. I think Andrew did an amazing job. I love the the voice acting. It's, you know, I have my Jamaican accent. And uh, then there's someone who can actually do accents. And it's just like, oh, no, okay, that that's what that's supposed to sound like. Okay, I'm with you now. Okay, I get it. Uh, but as much as I enjoy playing silly characters, that's that's kind of my repertoire, my forte, I'm, I'm not sure that you could do serious with that system i mean andrew kind of said that you thought you thought you could i would have to see it in in practice because right now i just i can't imagine that you could play as anywhere near of a serious game because of the way it's designed it's probably going to be a game that i'm going to want to run at conventions or it's going to be a game that i want to play at conventions like scott said i think from a one shot it, you're going to have as much fun with that as you could have with any other possible game but i am concerned about someone new trying to run it for exactly what Scott was saying, that it is so open that if you're not comfortable with improvisation and someone says, okay, there's 20 bikers and you're in a biker bar and they describe taking out every biker and they roll high enough, well, that just happened, but the scene's not over. So you're going to have to evolve that scene right then and right there. And I, I can see that being 
uh, a challenge for a newer GM, but I absolutely had so much fun with it. Mm-hmm. I that's actually the one thing that I feel might be a slight negative of the system. This is actually part of a conversation I was having the other day with Emily from She's a Super Geek podcast. The rules actually help structure both the GM and the player's actions. Sometimes the rules are a crutch, but more often than not, they are a foundation and a guideline for the rest of the game. And in a game like Wushu, when literally Andrew said, what do you want to be? Do anything. And there was no restrictions, no class guidelines. It was purely make anything up and make it work. That can be very intimidating to new players. Even to experienced players, you have to really gear shift into that mindset. It's not pick the structure and create a great story around it or create a character that fits into this structure. It is a moment of pure creative freedom. And I am by no means an experienced player. I'm not great at improv. I haven't been doing this for as long as a lot of other people out there. So that was even still a little bit frustrating to me. When we were doing character creation, I think I passed a couple turns because I just didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, no, I was going to I kind of interrupt you there, but you you circled back around that even experienced players like we are, when he said you could be anything you want, we were all like, and then, you know, we, we kind of went back and forth and we, we had some indecision, we had some thoughts. And that first episode, you know, it's like 48 minutes long. 30 minutes of it is us trying to figure out what the F we were doing. And finally, Andrew kind of had to step in and, and, and give us some structure. You know, like you said, like the most intimidating story idea is when you can write anything. Like you can write anything you want, write a story. Well, I don't know. But if you say, okay, you write a story, it has to involve a haunted house. Okay, I could probably whip out two or three different ideas and have a decent story here pretty quickly. But if I have no guidelines, no barriers whatsoever, it is sometimes difficult to 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 create in the in a vacuum, I guess. Uh, Scott, Matthew, did either of you feel the same way or not? Uh, I felt uh, paralyzed by the the lack of direction that we had in the beginning. Like when you guys were like, ah, oh, we could do whatever we want. Oh, we could do this. Like when it was original Sith Lords of the Caribbean, at least we had like a a lane and we could be as crazy as we want within the lane. But then when it became just make a character, I was like, Bleh. and you guys were like Matthew's going to be a dinosaur. And I was like, all right, fuck, I'll be a dinosaur. I can be a dinosaur. I was a dinosaur all fifth grade. I'd be a dinosaur. I don't give a shit. But it was very, uh. It was very dis uh, disheartening for me to be like to have all the choices and be able to make none of them. So that was my issue when we started. But once we got into it, it as a fucking ripper on time. <laughs> what about you, Scott? Did you have any issue with that complete openness at character creation? Which, to be fair, may not be the game. I haven't read Wushu. That was just what Andrew said. We're going to play a game. You can be anything you want. It's entirely possible that the Wushu game itself says, you know, you are kung fu action heroes in you know new neo tokyo i don't know that so it's possible that that was andrew not the game the, the default setting is is a um what is isn't it a feudal japan or or china 
setting where where you play either uh, samurai or kung fu heroes a la old movies and and go and right wrongs and things i honestly i'm not sure yeah that, that that's my impression is is that the the that's the default setting and so with with your with your six dice that you're supposed to pull out of this this uh box you have in the middle of the room you, you say all right well i i draw my katana and then i i slash the first um you know samurai in half and then i advance two paces toward the next samurai and i faint left and then cut off his right arm and then you know and then i jump on top of the trees and run across the leaves and then i fall down onto this third guy and cut him in two and so there's my seven dice and I roll, and it, it, it's my impression, and I could be wrong too, but it's my impression that that is sort of the default setting, default character archetype. So if you've been watching a lot of kung fu movies, you, you have this uh, this sort of staple of, of ideas in hand. That being said, you guys have an excellent point that it it's um, the antithesis of, like, say, 5th edition in many ways, where it doesn't give you this, this incredible art for each class with a really well-defined archetype that is in 7,000 movies that everyone has seen. And books that everybody's read. It's it's um, you know more of a, a fringe set of concepts that 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 don't have real unique or distinct tropes. So I know we've kind of touched on the mechanics a, a little bit, but just in case someone is listening to this that did not hear uh, the actual episodes, first of all, go listen to them because they might be some of the best things we've ever produced here at the RPG Academy. I think they're amazing. Uh, but essentially, uh, each scene has a challenge rating. And that is what you need to overcome with successes on your die rolls. But that's that's for the scene. So the scene could have one ogre. It could have 12 samurai. It could have a kraken. It could have, again, 20 bikers in a bar. Whatever the situation may it, be. It could have an irate waitress. It could have an irate waitress who spits in all your drinks and wears ghostly flair. Because you can do anything in the system. So when you roll your dice, you're not necessarily rolling to overcome the particular obstacle. You're, you're rolling to overcome overcome the scene that you're in. And uh, when you roll your dice, you have yin and yang dice. And basically offense, defense is the way to think about it. And you can divide them up however you want. And I, I think you're supposed to declare that beforehand. We went back and forth a couple times, I believe. But essentially, defense die keeps you from being injured by the scene. Offense die reduces the, the number of successes needed to get past the scene. You roll, and you know, let's say I get two defense, and the scene rolls against me and gets two attacks. I don't take any damage. If it's higher than mine, I take the difference. And then if I get four successes, I've, I've taken four tick marks off of the challenge rating of the room or the scene. And I can narrate anything I want to do. So again, if I'm fighting the Harlem Globetrotters, I can just narrate whatever I want. I can, you know, take the ball and I can dunk on Curly and I can pass it to Scooby-Doo. Whatever <laughs> crazy things in the world I want to do, they just happen. Like the dice don't tell you what you do or what you don't do or if you succeed or not. The dice only tell you how far along you've progressed in trying to get past this scene. And that is incredibly freeing. And I think we took to that Almost immediately, and I think Andrew even mentioned a couple of times that we pretty much maxed out every single time that we were all just embellishing and coming up with these crazy details. And that is that is what kind of made it fun for me. It goes back. I mentioned this in the, the Cold Steel Wardens trial that as I was role playing my character, the DM would do the little click marks and I would see that we were getting vigilance dice. Like the longer I was role playing, the more vigilance dice. And it was encouraging. Okay. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Cause I I'm instantly getting rewards. And Andrew was doing the same thing as, as we were embellishing, he would like tick up, he would kind of count. Okay. That, you know, you've done these details 
so it just like encourage you to keep going and just make it even bigger and even crazier. It is cool to see a game that so easily and directly rewards role-playing and narration. And when we're looking at a rules-light kind of game, once you get over that initial hurdle of you can create and do anything, the Wushu system really does encourage players. And I think that in that light, it is a great game for people you are introducing to the role-playing hobby. It is a great game to use to teach people how to role-play. Imagine if we had played that game with two of us and two people who enjoyed role-playing games but were very bad at playing their characters. It would have been really easy for these two newer players to observe how we narrated and role-played our actions and immediately learn how to do it themselves. And they also would have immediately seen, okay, when I say this and describe that, I get an extra die. If I don't describe this, I don't get that die. When we're talking about teaching people how to roleplay in Dungeons & Dragons, a lot of times that roleplaying concept is a lot more abstract. I mean, at the very least, in 5th edition, all you really have to immediately reward someone for roleplaying is getting that advantage or getting inspiration. But that is still not really, in my mind, a great reward. In Wushu, I can immediately say, oh, I got an extra two dice because I told an extra little story. I got an extra die because I really narrated how I picked up that pie and threw it in their face. Cool, I'm going to keep doing that. So in that, in that light, in that vein, this is a really great tool to use for teaching people how to do what we do. I think that's an excellent point, Caleb. I, I think uh, you really hit the nail on the head. That that if if you had a group of people, uh, and uh, for some reason my mind really goes to uh, kids. I've never taught kids, my own or others, the, how to uh, role play. Never had the opportunity, but I, uh, from what I've heard, you know, there the, you have a lot of these uh, uh, moments where, as the DM, you say, "No, that can't happen. You can't just, you know, kill the pirate boss. You have to have, you know, damage. No, you can't do this or that." And uh, how liberating it must be to start those kind of kids with, with a system that the basic assessment is, yes, the, the, the scene is still in conflict with you, but yes, you definitely killed that pirate captain in one hit, like you said. And, and uh, all these magical, fancy things that you say happen to your character definitely happened. You are now made of metal, and you're now 50 feet tall, you know, because you're a kid, and, and I don't want to constrain your ridiculous, optimistic enthusiasm for this. I'm just going to continue to challenge you and respond to what you're doing. I think it'd be a fantastic system for that. And it also brings up the very interesting aspect of storytelling. You met your objective. You did what you said you set out to do, but the conflict continues. Storytelling is really instinctually A, B, C, and I'm done. The interesting dynamic of storytelling comes from, all right, you're done, but something else is happening. And this system, with what you said, Scott, makes that a perfectly easy to comprehend fact. Yes, you killed the pirate king in one hit. Great. There's still a ship full of pirates. What do you do? 
yes, you rescued the princess and found the treasure. You're still in the castle and there's a dragon. What do you do? And that's something that I think not just kids, but grown-up experienced storytellers and role players, that is a wonderful thing to learn how to do because we can bring that into our other games. When when we're thinking a campaign or a one-shot, we really are thinking quite in a linear fashion. Even if we're talking about a sandbox or an open-world game, we're thinking about the end point, accomplishing the tasks and finishing the mission. Imagine a D&D game where we have that skill and that knowledge to say, all right, great, you killed the king, let's keep going. Let's finish that narration. Let's stretch out the dungeon a little bit, not just to get XP, not just to grind a level, not just to get treasure, but to really delve into the story. So I think Wushu does a great job, if we really analyze it, of teaching a much wider view of a story and the facts and events therein. Well, and I think Wushu, to your point, it is very much a story game with a mechanic kind of added on to keep it from being totally freeform improv, but it's a very cool mechanic. I really like what it does. We've, we've talked on our show before, and I've heard it on a billion other podcasts, talking about the difference between role-playing and role-playing whether you, you know, embody your character or do you just say, I'm going to roll the dice. You know, the difference between saying, okay, I'm going to dive into the bushes so that I'm not seen by the guards, or do you say, I want to hide. In both cases, in the typical D&D game and in most, D- most role-playing games, the dice is still going to determine whether or not you succeeded. So you have that weird dichotomy where you say, I'm going to dive in the bushes so that the guards don't see me, but the guard might see you when they roll the dice or when you roll the die. You, you know, either way, it still could happen. You certainly could have a DM who's a little bit more freeform, you know, like me, who was like, okay, that's cool. Yeah, you're fine. But by the rules, there's always a chance for success or failure. And I think that's where it, sometimes you can have people who are new and they don't quite get that because they're like, well, I want to tell you this cool thing I'm doing. But then you say, well, we we may not be able to do that. I think Scott was touching on that a lot with like, like the kids aspect, but even adults playing D and D trying to get people to be more narrative. Tell me what you're doing. Don't use terms. Don't say spot check. Don't say, can I roll a die? Just tell me what your character does. And then I will tell you when to roll the die. Wushu, that's just the game. And I love how that just puts that freedom into the, into the players to, like you said, I'm going to tell you what happens. I'm still going to roll some dice. If I roll well, that's good for us. But that's not the deciding factor in what happens. I'm the deciding factor because I told you what happened. I just think that was, it was kind of freeing to play a game like that. Even as someone who likes to role play like that anyway, I was just like, wow. So going off of that, I'm kind of curious to hear a little bit more from Matt here, since he is our resident improv artist. What is your opinion on this type of storytelling style? how the system encourages that. I mean, did you even really bring in anything or from, from your uh, theatrical background for this kind of thing? I mean, I, I definitely did. I, I was, uh, I, I, well, I thought I was, maybe the, the audience can decide, but I thought I was very descriptive in my actions. And uh, it was a very, um, like uh, Scott was saying before, like a samurai movie, you know, this, the, this, then this, then this, then this, then this, and then this happens. And all the, the GM says is yes, because 
you are doing those things and we're just rolling to see how good those things actually happen and and you know it's um it it was it's very much you know the the premise of improv to say yes and to just keep the scene going and that's it's basically what you're doing you're telling a story with a loose controller over the top i wouldn't even call him a controller he's just a he's a guide he's like a spirit guide so can we compare this experience to uh, the one we had with Dungeon World, which uh, on the surface we think is, is, is also a very freeform, loosely structured system where you, your default experience should be saying yes. And yet I, I feel that, that, as I recall from, from us discussing that, 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 that the experience we had, at least with Dungeon World, was that there was a, lot, a surprising amount of no versus in Wushu it was all yes all the time. Again, though, to be fair, we... Trying need to try to separate the GM from the game. I'm not sure at what part the game said was saying no and what part um, Jessa was saying no. And again, I've, I'm sure as a DM, I've done the same thing before where my players have said something cool and I'm not in the moment enough to catch on to it. I'm like, well, no, you got to roll the dice for that. So I'm not, I'm not blaming her at all, but I'm saying I don't know is Dungeon World just as freeform as Wushu or was our example not the same? You know, if, if, if that comparison may not be a good one, but then what about comparing it with our Fate Accelerated Edition game? Uh, and, and how often in Fae, in, in our experience, the, the rules were, I don't want to say oppressive, I want to say they got in our way, but they were like a thing that, that we had to kind of remember and, and we kind of were clumsying around, versus how often the rules were a thing that we were clumsying around in... Um, in Wushu, and, and, and uh, I mean, from my recollection, I, I think uh, in Wushu we had a much easier time working with the rules and moving through this, the game, despite the new system. Yeah. I, and I kind of think this is a bit of a, a tangent, but I I am in love with the idea of fate in Fae. I, like, when I read the books, it was like, like an awakening. Like, my mind was open to all these new possibilities and how role-playing games can be. But I've yet to play a game of fate that has lived up to what I felt it could be when I read the book. And Porter, I think, don't listen to this. No, I mean, and that was amazing. It was a great game. But even like you said, we still had to work within the confines of the rules, where in Wushu, we didn't have, the rules came in later. We described everything we were doing, and then the rules came in and go, went, okay, this is what the rules say, uh, or what you said adapts to the rules rather than we're, we're adapting to the rules. I'm not saying that very well. You're shaking your head. I know you know what I'm thinking, but I'm not saying it. But yes, so even with Faye, you are constricted by the rules. Like I'm having this uh, image of the the Matrix, and it started when they went to Matthew because I just I imagine Morpheus. So when Morpheus is telling Neo, he goes adaptation, improvisation, but that is not your your problem because you're our improv guy. But yeah, so the basically it's like the Matrix, like the the Faye, you're you're Neo before he figures it out. He's still confined by the rules of the world, though he shouldn't be. Wushu is Neo after he's realized, oh, the rules are not really there. They don't apply to me. It took a long time to get there, but that's what I was going for. I was going to say we are the rules for Wushu. That, that, that's good. If, you're, if you say your character, like, and at the end of the episode, I fly for no reason. That happens. That just happens. It just happens. And then we have to improv a new second movie that's nowhere near as good as the first movie 
to make that make sense and continue to create a challenge for your character that can now fly. Well, well now there are opponents instead of waitresses, they're going to have awesome dreadlocks. What can you possibly do to counter awesome dreadlocks? Silver bullets. Or a really big car explosion. But, but okay, so here's, here's my take on this. When you're looking at a system like Fey or Fate, you're, the, the system encourages you to be very descriptive and think creatively, but it still asks that you frame your creativity within the structure of the rules. So if we look at Fey, where you have your approaches and you're flashy or clever or forceful, it's very easy to just describe your action without any attention paid to the rules. And then after you complete your sentence, the GM looks at you and says, okay, I think you're describing that flashily. I think you're describing a forceful action. Do you agree? And then moving forward from that point. So you're essentially taking your narration and your creativity and then once it exists, fitting it into one of these existing buckets. And that can be very limiting because if I've described three or four sentences about how awesomely I'm doing something, and then the GM says, well, I think it's the thing that only gives you a plus two, that can kind of be a little bit damaging to my choices. It's also limiting if you're not good at role-playing because you can say, well, I just want to do it flashily. Well, how do you do it? I do it flashily. Okay, can you describe that? It's flashy. It's fancy. I, I show off. Okay, fine. Let's go. It's a flashy role. It's a crutch at that point if you're not as good at role-playing. And I'm not downplaying the system at all. I'm just trying to point out the comparison here. With Wushu, it is truly just describe whatever you want and then how well you described structures how far your description impacts the story i think i was trying to go for the movie reference but you actually said that you said what i was trying to say much better which again that's your job here so good job for you doing what you're supposed to do that <laughs> even though Faye should should allow me to do that should, should allow me to feel be to do it free form, I've never been able to do it. So it is it, it is my failing, not the game and not the the DM, because I do that even in our fake game. I would say I'm going to do that forcefully and cleverly, rather than describing my actions in a way that narrate me doing it forcefully or cleverly. So that's that's exactly what I was trying to say. Is that in Wushu, I just describe my actions narratively with no concern for the rules, because I didn't need to have any concern for the rules. That even in Fae or Fate. As I'm describing it, I'm still in my head thinking, okay, I want to use a, my flashful or my flashy version because that's my best plus four. So I have to describe it in a flashy way. And even if I end up narrating it, I'm still pre-deciding that it will be a flashy narration rather than a different narration. So it's still a little bit different where I think Wushu, I did not feel constrained at all by the rules. And in Fate and Fae, I still do a little bit. Well, yeah, as soon as rules exist, we want to use them. From as young an age as kids are able to learn that games have rules, you are taught to follow the rules. When you first learned Candyland, when you first learned Operation, you read the rules and you did what they said. 
Now, of course, kids are going to make up whatever they want to make up, but we are taught instinctually that you read the rules and you follow them. So now when we're playing role-playing games, we are still doing that. We read the rules and we use them. When we see the rules in Fate and we know that a skill is a plus three and this other skill is a plus four, we want to use the rules. We want to follow the rules. We think, how can I use these rules properly and then role-play after the fact? Even if you're an outstanding role-player and you're role-playing first, and then applying the rules after, you're still seeing those rules and incorporating them into your choices. With Wushu, there's nothing written down. There is no structure to follow. There's no crutch to fall back on. It is just literally Andrew, GM, saying, you're in a diner with a bunch of pirates. What are you doing? Oh, you did all of that? You get to roll four dice. Oh, Matthew is doing all of this. He's rolling seven dice. He did better. Dinosaurs. And I did want to go back uh, because, again, I, I got off on my Matrix tangent when you're talking about Matthew playing the game. Your whole this guy's racist bit is might be the funniest thing I've ever heard you say. <laughs> Was it as your whole thing? It's not as funny the as the pirate. fucking squirrels, man. Those squirrels fucking killed me. Holy shit. Well, that that was Scott, though. But from, from Matt's point of view, that might be the funniest thing I've ever heard Matt say. I cracked my shit up every time you had that whole conversation. Because it was perfect. Because you were like, hey, this guy's racist. The, 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 the and ghost pirate dinosaur fight. is fantastic. Fantastic. Yes. That, that, that classic. Okay, so, so let's just address the fact. We came up with four of the most fucking insane characters we've ever come up with. We've been playing together for a couple years. We know each other pretty well. We know how to be goofy. We know how to be serious. This game just let us cut absolutely loose and go bananas. And it was awesome. It was a good time. It was a great game. So this, you know, it's probably fairly short episode at this point, but it's such a rules-like game, other than just continuing to talk about the game that hopefully everyone else has just now listened to. I don't know how much value we can add, but is there anything else anyone does want to say about the game or the concept, the rules, anything uh, mechanically speaking that we could discuss? Or do we just put a bow on this one and say Wushu's a great freaking game? Let's tie this shit up. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to say for anyone who's uh, fan arting out there, the character I envisioned in my head was a, uh, a an Indominus Raptor-sized creature with a tattered uh, trench coat on. That spoke in Muppet style on his back. But, you know, artistic interpretation, of course. You can send that to Matthew, care of the RPG Academy. P.O. Box 127, New York, New York. That That's not actually our P.O. Box, but... No, it's really not. Sorry. It's not our city either, or state. Well, maybe one of our states. <laughs> no, it's definitely one of our states. But we don't have a P.O. Box. Sorry, guys. Actually, that'll we probably might have end a P. Box. Up... That'll that'll probably end up in the hands of Total Party Thrill if you sent it to that PO box. <laughs> Mundanger Studios. The the only last comment I would have is that uh, I think this is my new default go to system for all everything that is not D and D five E. If I have friends or want to introduce a new group of people who uh, are not committed to fantasy or are not committed to running through very specific, you know, Watsy quests, I think it's going to be Wushu. I've kind of said that. To me, Dread is a great game to try to get people who who don't know how to role play, or maybe they don't like. 
you almost like you're tricking them into role playing by playing dread. But I've had people that I've talked about it, and they're not, they're not really wanting to play Jenga either. And I'm kind of like, oh shit, you know, I didn't really think about that. So yeah, so Wushu might be right in that same wheelhouse. That if I want to try to introduce someone to role playing, I might just bring out the Wushu and basically say, tell me what you're doing, and then now roll four dice. And don't even they don't even have to explain why that happens or really what it means, but just kind of do that, and then just let the game go. If you if you are going to do that for the introducing new players, make sure you at least have a lane for them to travel down because if you say we can do anything you want guys do you want to be Siegfried do you want to be uh Harry Potter do you want to be an anthropomorphic computer that's got problems with lotuses you can all hang out together you know what what I was thinking about was was giving people pre-generated character ideas but having no text just print out a bunch of pictures of actiony hero things that are all in one sort of theme fantasy or oh, sci-fi cool. like pick a picture Think of three traits that remind you of that picture. We're good to go. The, the picture should be worth about a thousand words of this is the setting, this is the, the genre, this is the era, this is skills and abilities. This, that's an awesome idea. When, uh, when Ryan listens to this, he's probably going to be very angry. But we just played uh, a D&D 5e Transformers mashup. And Ryan spent hours, and I do mean hours, of converting over transformers into D, you know like he turned changed the names he rewrote spells he wrote rewrote skills and but when he gave us our character sheets they actually had g1 images from the cartoon and i think at this point that's all he could should have done is just given me a picture of grimlock and said we're playing wushu and i would have been good to go me grimlock king of dinobots me, Grimlock. That, that's literally, yeah, that's what I said the whole game. Like, that's all I needed was a oh, picture. Fuck, I love Grimlock. I, I, I wrote a segue into battle because of my little arm. Um, so, yeah, so absolutely. I mean, because we've actually talked about doing a whole series like G.I. Joe, Flintstones, Scooby-Doo, like all these different like 80s and 90s cartoons. I think Wushu would be great for that because you could create Scooby-Doo with three sentences and you're good to go. And, and it, it fits that crazy over-the-top narration because how do you do a trap as Fred? You just describe the trap doing it, and it works. And then you have him trapped, and you roll the dice. And, you know, you don't have to worry about, oh, I rolled a seven, so nothing happens. Yeah, it sounds like the perfect system to play a G.I. Joe setting as as Cobra, right? Where you have to come up with the crazy scheme this episode. Like, okay, party, I, th I think... The weather dominator! Yes! First thing we do is kidnap scientists straight from the G.I. Joe's base. Why train our own? Then we need to launch a satellite. And it works. Mm -hmm. It just works. Yeah. Give him 3D6. Awesome. All right. So we'll, uh, we'll start back at the beginning to wrap this up. Caleb, any final words about Wushu? So Wushu is a fantastic game. It obviously lends itself to silly, over-the-top extremities. I think it is just as easy, though, to play a more serious, dedicated game with it. I can very easily see a noir-style 50s detective game where you're just describing the smoke-filled scene and, and the dame walking in. Uh, I can see this working really well for a Cthulhu horror-style game. It, it, Wushu is going to work for any game where your focus is narration and storytelling. I also think it is a great introductory game to new role players. I think after you have 
taught them how to role play with dread. This is the next step of role playing because it's going to teach them dice, and then you're going to get them into D and D from that point. I think it is also a wonderful tool to use to help role players learn how to role play and effectively tell larger, more interesting stories. Excellent. All right, Matthew, any final words from you? I really enjoyed the game. I thought it was a a lot of fun. And um, the only thing I would say is that if you give them something to go off of, you're going to have a much more focused game because with nothing to go off of, it's just chaos. But it's hysterical (laughs) chaos. Hopefully our audience agrees. All right. And you, Scott, any final words? Great system. Two thumbs up. So we just recently found out that Scott is actually going to be able to come to a catacon. Matt is also going to be able to come to a catacon. And Scott has not yet given me any events that he is going to run. So I'm just going to go ahead and nominate you right now. Scott, you're running a G.I. Joe Wushu game at a catacon. (laughs) All right. All right. That'll happen. And you know what? We are featuring James D'Amato from the One Shot podcast, we all know that he can do one hell of a sick Cobra Commander voice. He can do a sick Cobra Commander. He can do a sick everything voice. But yeah, so let's, uh, let's just put that on the schedule. Let's try to work it out. Maybe we'll just do, it'll be us. We'll, we'll grab like one random doofus and say, hey, you're sitting down with me. You're Destro. Uh, I'm Taymot and you're Zaymot or Zaymaz and uh, Matthew can be Baroness. Go. Oh, Destro. Matthew, you are my Baroness. I love you. (laughs) Awesome. Well, clearly, I like the game as well. Once again, thank you so very much, Andrew. Uh, You were a phenomenal GM for us. Thank you for putting up with us. Loved the voices. I loved the freedom that you came to the game. Uh, You are open invite. Any other game you want to run for us, just we'll figure it out. I, I thought you did a great job. Thank you for running. Guys, Matthew, Scott, Caleb, thank you for joining me tonight. And as always, I will see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out the RPGacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the drive-thru RPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG... Our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast 
at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media such as Facebook and Google Plus at the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Right.